Episode 37, Doug Bobble, President and CEO of Jasper Engines and Transmissions. Welcome to Gut Plus Science. Analytics about people. Insights for executives. Truth you can act on. A high-energy, fast-paced, results-oriented exchange featuring employee engagement evangelist and CEO, your host, Nikki Llewellyn. We're back and ready to celebrate the new year with new goals for Gut Plus Science. We just got word that we're becoming a pretty popular podcast in a specific city of China. Who knew? That goal wasn't on our roadmap, but we'll take it. Can't wait to see what unfolds in 2019. Thanks to all of you who have shared an episode to inspire greater leadership and employee engagement in our world this year. Truly appreciate it. So I've been reading one of the best leadership books that I can remember, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. The essence of what I'm taking away is that there are three skills of the greatest leaders, and these are vulnerability, self-awareness and self-love and courage. So when we're vulnerable as leaders, we connect with our people at a human level and building relationship with them is so crucial and takes precedence over almost anything else. I have seen that show up so many times. And so self-awareness and self-love, it's like a mirror. So how we have stuff inside of us, whether it's our fears as leaders or judgments that we have, those things are like a mirror that then reflect onto our people. And so we have to work really hard to love ourselves and be self-aware and just very transparent about what's going on and dealing with things that might be, you know, not so good in order to get to the other side. And Finally, Brene talks about courage and how courageous leaders are contagious and really inspire the rest of the workforce to want to be innovative and to want to take risks and just do big things. So absolutely love the book. Can't uh, recommend it enough. But today we are talking with a man who embodies servant leadership and could be a great walking example of what Brene teaches. Doug Bobble, president and CEO of Jasper Engines and Transmissions, is about to share his leadership journey over decades of building the culture of Jasper, which has thousands of employees across the nation. We're going to dive right in, but let's first hear from our today's Gut Plus Science sponsor. Are you still using Pulse surveys? How about annual questionnaires? If your organization relies on either of these, it's time to discover Amplify. Amplify has created a new way to measure employee engagement. It's where CEOs who want to know what's really happening within a workforce go to get honest feedback and to understand what needs to change for people to love their work. Companies that have used Amplify have increased productivity by as much as 30% in just three months. Best of all, it's not just data that Amplify provides. Executives get hands-on coaching with engagement specialists, people who know exactly what to do with the data. To see their latest research on employee engagement, visit Amplify.com. All right, let's get rolling. So Doug Bobble, chairman and CEO of Jasper Engines and Transmissions, 43 years in the business, by the way, he started at age five, of course, is a big believer in culture and he strongly believes culture eats strategy all day long. He believes in the mission to do excellent work and to have fun. And that is the vibe that lives in his organization. As Jasper outperforms 98% of publicly traded companies, I think we have a lot to learn from Doug today. Doug, welcome to the show and let's just get at it. So how do you define culture and how do you think of the term culture? Thank you, Nikki, and, and what a pleasure it is to be part of your organization today. I talk in very simple terms. Culture is, is what we refer to as the defining moments 
for the entire organization. It, it's what you think, what you eat, and what you do. And we refer to our culture as a servant leadership, meaning that treat people the way you'd like to be treated. Go above and beyond. If you wouldn't buy this product, then let's not send it out the door. And that's the culture that we have throughout the organization. I love that. So I'm going to go a little bit deeper on servant leadership because I feel like it's a term that many of us hear and some people struggle to understand how to embrace that. So could you maybe give a couple of examples of ways that you instill this in the organization or teach that to your employees? It starts with all of our new associates. I still have the luxury of either doing it in person with probably 50% of our people and the others doing it video conference, teaching our culture class. But we just share with people the, the mutual trust and mutual respect so that if we've got Johnny who's missing today, everybody else has got to pitch in and help department so we get the work done correctly. Uh, recently, we had a general manager uh, that we brought in from an outside company and had been with a very big company, a very successful company. And he had a division of about 150 people. And he didn't understand the importance when you do have two or three absences that you go out on the shop for. You, you help pick and pack the parts for today. And it immediately sent a culture shock to the people that this guy doesn't get it. And eventually we just had to separate because he couldn't lure himself to understand the importance of, of pitching in and doing the little things. And you know, if we think about it, especially this time of the year, the greatest servant leadership was Jesus Christ. You know, when he washed the feet of his disciples, I mean, that was the lowest of lowest positions. But we as managers have got to understand that some days that's what we need to do. We need to get out of our offices. We need to go out on the shop floor and we need to help the people get the work done. That's Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. So I have a question. I uh, hear a number of companies say they've really struggled because they try to delegate culture responsibilities or they put culture in the arms of HR and say, okay, have at it, build the strategy and make it happen. I see a lot of companies struggle there. And so I want to understand from your perspective, who owns culture in an organization? It starts at the top. It is the responsibility of every single associate. But more importantly, you've got to lead by example. And today I see a lot of people that want to, you know, talk the walk, but they don't want to walk the walk. And you've got to make sure that you're walking the walk. So, for example, whether it's an associate luncheon, being out there, fixing the food, shaking hands, sitting with people. It's the little things that we do that make the big difference. And let's break it down into the family unit. You know, if you've got a family unit that doesn't do anything together, that doesn't pitch in and, and help one another, think how those kids are going to grow up. And we in business have to do the same thing. Because we have, pardon me, risen to the top, doesn't mean that we're any different than Johnny or Susie who's starting out on the shop floor and punching the clock every day. Yeah. And Doug, with uh, 3,300 employees and 75 locations, there are a lot of layers of leadership in your organization, I'm sure. A couple questions on the leadership that you bring into the organization. What are you looking for when you hire them? And how do you instill this heart into the leaders 
around, you know, this belief that you have so that it transpires throughout the organization? I'm sorry to say that it really has got to start at an early age in life. And we do a lot of personality profiling when I interview someone or when a general manager or a divisional manager interviews someone, they're really looking for a couple key points. Number one, how are they going to relate to one another? Number two, are they going to make the right decisions at tough times? And we believe, I'm not saying that we're correct, that most of those things are already within you. When someone is 20 or 30 or 40 years of age, if they've not had a a good set of of morals and ethics, you're not going to probably get those into them. And so you can ask some questions like, we've all made mistakes in our life. I don't need to know your mistake, but tell me what you learned from that mistake. Another question may be, you've got two employees, associates that are arguing. What role do you feel as a manager you should take? Another question. You've got a single parent. They've got a sick child. The attendance policy says they're going to be termed out. What should you do? How should you act? And by asking those types of questions, we can get a little bit of insight into, will they fit our organization? Every one of our executive team but our CFO has spent an immeasurable amount of time on the shop floor. And when I say an immeasurable amount of time, I'm talking about two, three, four, six, eight years. Our CFO's only been on the shop floor for about six months. Every month she goes out there for at least one day a month to get closer to the people and closer to the work we do. Good stuff. So you talk a lot about relationships being such a powerful component, going out on the shop floor, spending a lot of time just relating with people and getting to know them. So talk about the importance of building relationships both internally and externally for the health of the company. Well, one of the things I tell young people that want to get into leadership, if you don't like going to funeral homes, if you don't like going to weddings, if you don't like going to graduation parties, you're probably not cut out for this. I can't go to every family member that that passes away of one of our associate owners, but I can write a sympathy card. I can make sure that everybody gets a birthday card on their birthday. I can make sure everyone gets an anniversary letter with a handwritten note from me to them, thanking them for their years of service and and adding a few additional things. There again, a lot of people will say, well, gosh, you know, you need to, to shed those things back to HR. You know, you need to think more strategically. You know what? We've got a lot of great people in our organizations. All of us have great people in our organizations that can do that strategic part of it. As leaders, we need to be developing our people. We believe that you're not measured based upon what you do, but those whom you train. So at my age, 64 now, I'm really looking at these young people that are coming up, the the presidents and vice presidents, and looking at their performance to judge how well I have performed as a leader. And if they don't perform, then I've not done my job. And what would you say, you talked a little bit before on different platforms that you put in place to help employees elevate their game on building relationships. Like I know you talked about this annual event where families come together as an example. Talk about different platforms that have been created throughout the organization to help with that, help facilitate relationship building. I think it starts by staying close to your people. So for example, in every one of our remanufacturing plants, we have an advisory committee. 
and they meet monthly. We can discuss any issue other than individual pay issues. So it may be a case where, hey, boss, we see you're driving a different car about every month. How come you get a different car every month? I do a lot of testing of vehicles. You know, those are questions they have. And then we print 90 percent of those. In addition to that, we do quarterly meetings where I'll start on the east side of the country at six in the morning and we'll work our way back. And by the end of the day, then we'll videotape one. So those people that are in remote locations that we've not been able to get to or missed work, they could sit down in their home and watch it. And we share financial information. We share what we refer to as our five pillars, safety, quality, productivity, customer service, reduction of waste. We have various uh, metrics in those areas. And quarterly, we share all that information. Then in addition to that, we have what we refer to as lunch and learns, where let's say we're coming out with some new benefits, or let's say that I, I, I want to just get their take on a new product that we're doing. And so it'll be announced on our information boards. And then we'll sit down and just have some lunch and learns. Can we go a little deeper on this advisory committee's concept? Absolutely. Okay. I have a lot of questions. So we're going to break this down. So if you can kind of recap and just summarize the why or the purpose of the advisory committee is? Just to get the heartbeat of your people. And please don't take this the wrong way. Radio stations and toilet paper comes up more often than anything else. And that's okay. Because if they're bringing those things up that, well, can we add additional radio station or we heard the office got a different toilet paper than we have out on the shop floor. That means you're doing everything else right. So we start by looking at old business. Are there any options that were brought up that we're working on? Maybe it was a benefit that they've asked us to, to reconsider. Uh, maybe it was an issue with we a safety related issue and, and have we followed up on it? Maybe it was an issue that they don't feel we have enough bathroom locations in one of the plants. And, and so we ask maintenance to follow up on that. And then we go around the room and, and people just can share anything and question anything that they have. At that point in time, then we publish that information. It's on the website. So any other associate owner can look at it and respond back. And it's such a great way that people realize we have nothing to hide. So often people think that management is trying to hide or do things behind their back. So if you just open the door and have that dialogue, it makes everybody feel so much better. I love this. And remind me again, how often are you meeting and who all is coming together throughout the year? Like how many advisory committees, what locations, who's involved? Okay. So under the Jasper brand, we actually have uh, four locations that, that do remanufacturing. We have a couple of subsidiaries, and so they're not large enough to have their own advisory committee, so they'll filter up through one of those. You serve a two-year term. You actually pick who your successor will be. We make it known that we're going to have these positions open, but it has to be a cross-function of the entire operation. So let's take our Crawford facility. That's a distribution facility. and We have a parts company in there. We have a, a transmission division. We have a engine division, and then we have what we refer to as core and distribution division. So that advisory committee will be 12 people. Uh, they rotate because of a two-year term. We want to have people coming and going every six months, so we cycle people through so we get a good continuation. And um, we meet monthly. 
the majority of the time, the meetings are probably 30 minutes to an hour. It's paid time during the middle of the day. And people come in and ask questions. We have a radio committee now in every one of our manufacturing plants. And they look at radio stations. Uh, I can tell you in the Crawford facility, we change the radio station every day. That's okay. They own it. It's them that are making the decisions. Awesome. I love this. And I think it's going to inspire a lot of people to start thinking about this advisory committee concept. So segueing here into employee feedback, how do you gain employee feedback throughout the year outside of, you know, this is a great way of doing it, the advisory committees, but what are some other systems or tools that you use in order to hear the voices of everybody in the organization? Well, as I shared earlier, we, we do the lunches and that's primarily with executive people. And then we have lunch and learns that we do on the shop floor. Uh, we do associate owner surveys, as many companies do. Um, the thing that I tell our HR people is, before you do a survey, let's make sure we've addressed the things that came up on the mass survey. So often a, a company, an organization will, will do a survey and, and they hear these things. They're not going to make any changes. And then they want to do a survey again. And the people are saying, wait a minute, we already told you what are concerns we have. And you haven't really addressed those. So the, the other method is walking the shop floor, you know, making yourself uh, present. And, and that doesn't mean, you know, you, I, I've seen some managers that, you know, they walk around and, and they haven't seen anything. They, they haven't talked to anybody. Uh, when I'm out on the shop floor, I, I don't have, it's not that I'm going from one side of the building to the other. I'm just out looking around, walking, maybe stopping and looking at an operation. People can motion me to come over if they want to talk to me. But it's just making yourself aware, being there for your people. And so often we all get hung up in all this stuff that we have to do. And we forget the importance of, of making ourselves available to our people. So you shared examples like toilet paper and the radio station on, um, you know, just simple but important things that address that employees feel heard, you know, on what matters to them. And, and you take that very seriously. I'm curious, through your time with either surveys or uh, lunch and learns or advisory committees, can you give an example of something maybe on the grander scale organization wide that you got feedback on that helped you understand that you needed to do something different and then created, you know, a program out of that or made a big change. One, so many of our people today in the world live paycheck to paycheck and they've not been given the proper tools to make better choices, to get out of the position they're in. And I kept hearing some vibes of that. Well, today we have the David Ramsey program in each one of our plants at least twice a year. And we make available a coach to work with them outside that period. Another one was people that are struggling with emotional and, and, and mental issues and don't really feel that they can go maybe to their priest, their minister, or rabbi. Uh, they're too close to that individual. They have tried mental health counseling, and that really wasn't what they needed. They just needed a listening ear. So today in our manufacturing plants, uh, we have a chaplain that is in there one day a week. You can schedule additional times. Those locations that you know are scattered across the country, they get his phone number, his email. They can set up a time to Skype with him or the family and, and just 
making programs like that aware. In addition to that, most recently, we heard that many of our newer associates uh, were struggling buying a good pair of steel-toed safety shoes. And, you know, a good pair of steel-toed shoes will be $100 to $150. So most recently, we announced that every new associate owner, and we gave them to all of our existing as well, in their first 30 days can actually submit a receipt and we will reimburse them for a pair of steel-toed shoes. In the event they don't have the money to buy them, they can go to human resources and they can make arrangements, so provide the money up front. But it makes a difference. Wow, good stuff. So let's talk about communication, you know, with an organization, like I said, with so many employees, 3,300 employees, 75 locations. That takes some strategy to figure out how to get everybody on the same page. And you've talked about how you record and publish the videos of like the advisory committees as an example. Give us some other ways that communication works effectively to help bring everybody up to speed, especially with, you know, benefits that you offer, like these, you know, different examples you just gave or just other messages that you need to get out. What works? Number one, I I can't get around and see 3,300 people. But what I can do is make my presence known that if you all have something that you want to reach out to me, please feel free to. And then we bring a lot of our people in for additional training. So, for example, our truck drivers that are scattered around the country in 46 different branch locations, we'll bring in half of those each year for additional training. We do a safety driving rodeo and I'll make myself present to them during one of the dinners and we have what's referred to as crossfire where we'll put the five vice presidents and myself up in front of them they represent product lines and they get a chance just to ask questions of those people in addition to that we bring in our outside salespeople at least twice annually and we do the crossfire with them as well the same thing in january of each year we do a deeper dive with the financials with the all general managers and above. So that would be about 140 people. And we do a crossfire with those people as well. Good stuff. I'm just going to take a a big guess here, a wild guess that uh, turnover in your organization versus others in your industry is significantly different. Just, Just a gut guess there. So Doug, thank you. You have a huge heart that shines on a podcast. I guarantee this episode has inspired thousands of leaders to help their people find more meaning at work. And that's a really big deal. So we're going to take a quick break, hear from a sponsor message, and then we want to come back and spend just a couple minutes learning more about you, uh, the personal side of, of you, Doug. So we'll be right back. In our conversations with CEOs and hiring managers, we hear they're frustrated with traditional recruiting. From outrageous fees to focusing on candidates before clients, the process was broken and needed to be fixed. Enter Titus Talent. Titus Talent Strategy serves its clients using passionate people, a proven process, and unparalleled performance. Oh, and did we mention they guarantee the performance of their candidates for 12 months? If you want to learn how they're disrupting the recruitment space, head over to TitusTalent.com. That's T-I-T-U-S-T-A-L-E-N-T.com. All right, guys, we're back on Gut Plus Science with Doug Bobble, and we are going to dive into our lightning round, which just helps us understand a few, you know, things about the personal side of Doug. So, Doug, just a couple, you know, a couple questions, short answers. What's your favorite book or one that you would recommend to our listeners today? Well, there's two that, I, that I've got to recommend. The first is called The Rolling Desk. It was written by David Morris and Chris Heyer. Uh, a lot of people think it was written about Jasper because of the culture being very similar. Uh, that's not the case. I've never had the opportunity to meeting those two. 
And the other one is The Leadership Secrets of Santa Claus by Eric Harvey. Both of those books tell a story. I like business books that, that tell stories. And uh, we've been using those two books the last two years as part of our uh, leadership uh, program. And uh, I think the listeners will, will get a lot out of it. Wonderful. Two brand new book uh, recommendations. Have not heard those yet on the on the show. Thank you. Um, how about a favorite vacation spot? You know, I, I don't have one. Uh, and, and don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't like vacations. I have uh, seven children and, and 11 grandkids. And one of the great things that, that I'll share with people, if you plan great vacations, they'll show up. I don't have a real favorite vacation spot. I like to go where they want to go. But the theme is showing up. You're a big relationship guy and investing in experiences. You know, that that's what shows up in the way that you lead in your organization and obviously in your family too. So very cool. Thanks for sharing that. How about a favorite hobby when you're not working? I'm not good at it. Uh, <laughs> I, I really don't have have any hobby. And uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, are you ever going to retire? And probably not because... If I do have a hobby, it would be mentoring to people. I had a, a great experience some 20 years ago with a guy by the name of Richard Petty, the king of NASCAR racing. And uh, I was a team owner and struggling at the time. And uh, he spent about two and a half hours with me. And I, I knew I couldn't pay him for his time. Uh, but I said, is there a charity you have that I can make something? He said, no, I just want you to give back to other people when you get in that position. So uh, I, I do public speaking. I have several foundations that I work very closely with. And uh, I just enjoy mentoring to people and watching people develop. Mentoring is a hobby we share for sure and a great one. So, Doug, this has just been a wonderful episode for our many listeners that might want to reach out, connect with you further, maybe have a question for you. How do they reach you after the show? It's real easy. D, like my first name, then B A W E L at jasperengines.com. And if for any reason I don't answer your email and make sure you put in there about, you know, where you heard me and that kind of thing, my phone number, 812-482-1041, extension 12600. Nobody answers my phone. It goes right to my phone. And if I don't answer, I'll call you back. Doug, awesome episode. Servant leadership puts a huge imprint on winning company cultures. I agree wholeheartedly. Here's my truth you can act on from today's discussion. Have a culture class. Teach all employees about culture, the vision, and what the company is looking for in its employees and how to behave and how to show up in order to work and operate as a collective whole towards this culture that we're all striving for. Number two, create a culture of excellence with internal training and development of the people. So develop a learning roadmap specific to your company and have the CEO and executives involved in training and teaching employees. I love that. Advisory committees influence employee engagement. So get groups of people together to solve organizational problems or talk innovative ideas and solutions. The group should travel around to different locations, getting employees across the company involved in decision-making record and publish these and send to all employees. So cool. So a great cadence would be traveling around each month to a different location, different group of people and talking on problems that employees have brought maybe through engagement 
surveys to the surface and then being able to share what the perspective of what that group came up with and really helping with communication organization wide. I love that. Well, happy new year, everyone. We'll see you next year on Gut Plus Science. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.